the podcast show. Giving ideas a voice. Hey, welcome to the podcast show, a show where we feature the best and upcoming podcasters here in Asia and as well as all over the world. My name is Shida Osman and today I am joined by a podcast host back in Montreal, Canada, all the way there. Uh, I'm actually joined by Andre Goulet, the podcast host for The Career File. Hi, Andre. Arshida, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for your time. How are you feeling today? I'm great. Yeah, it's a little late here in uh, in Quebec and Montreal, but yeah. I'm really happy to be joining you on the podcast show. Just to digress for a bit, how's the weather there right now? It's sort of early fall, so it's cool, a little bit crisp. Uh, the sun sets earlier, but but still still sort of nice weather. Yeah, mm, I love the weather there. The weather in Singapore is only rain or shine. That's all. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's get into your podcast. Um, it's called The Career File, uh, from what I have researched. Just maybe for the listeners, for the new listeners, or for anyone else who would want to listen to you, what's the story behind it? And why Korea? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's kind of like complicated. It's sort of about, you know, personal history. Basically, I went to Korea in the year 2006 to go teach English. And one of the reasons I decided to go to Korea is because I had already lived in Taiwan for three years mm-hmm. and had come back to Montreal for a couple of years. Um, decided to go try a new place, went to Korea for 2006 uh, I lived in the city of Ansan, which is an hour outside of Seoul. Did that for a year. Uh, came back to Canada, decided to return, moved to a city called Gimhae, which is just outside of Busan, mm-hmm. and lived there for a year. Came back to Canada again, decided to return to Korea, went to Suwon, which is the capital city of Gyeonggi province, uh, taught in a public school for a year before finally moving up to Seoul, where I taught at a public high school for two years and played in an indie rock band in the sort of expat and Korean music community of Seoul. Um, So in that time, I just sort of obviously spent like a lot of time in Korea, became super interested in the the history, the culture, the people, um, politics, the society, and uh, just, you know, kind of like read a lot about it and pursued that sort of intellectually. And uh, and had a really good time uh, researching and, and exploring yeah. Yeah. Did you fall in love with the country and the culture? In a lot of ways, I did. Korean people are really interesting. Like, they're some people call them the Irish of Asia. Exactly. And I don't exactly. I don't know if that's accurate. Um, maybe it's because of the love of alcohol. Yep. But I think it's more about the sort of um, dynamic aspect to the uh, the character of Korean people and. That was something that I definitely did uh, fall for and and really ended up appreciating over the many years that I was there. It's just interesting when you're telling me um, your backstory to the career file. Um, it brought me to a place where I there was a phase that I fell in love with Korea as well. So that's why beforehand, remember, I was asking you, like, could you speak Korean, Hangul? Which is interesting. I think it rekindles the feelings in me again about Korea. Um, and, how did you, and how did you fall in love with Korea? Tell me about that. Um, for me, the reason why I fell in love with Korea is because uh, I'm Malay, Singaporean here in Singapore. Um, and I find out 
that. Because my whole family watches, they don't watch the local TV. They fell in love. My parents influenced me and fell in love with Korean TV, Japanese, and they're just international and all over the place. You know, they watch Malay TV, but not so much. But that's how I fell in love. Um, and I mm. think that they're the lost culture of the Malay culture. It's pretty much similar. There's a lot of similarities and the kimchi and everything else and the food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I fell in love with them. So, anyways, but that's why it's interesting when um my team member Yijing found your podcast. I was like, the career file. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's get into your podcast. Um, do you have guests for your wait before we go into guests? Like, what is career file all about? I know it's about music, history, and culture, but is there any like? Any topics that is much more heavier, like for is it more music inclined or history or culture? Mm-hmm. So the the sort of tagline on the on the post website is conversations about music, history, and society in the Republic of Korea, mm-hmm. and it kind of started out as. So when I did those five years, after those five years, I returned to Canada. I went to broadcasting school in Toronto, oh. and when we were asked to sort of produce uh, independent content, the the thing that I was able to connect with the best was obviously my time in Korea and like the, the fact that that was so front of mind for me. So I began to just sort of interview friends and getting them to talk to me about ex- interesting experiences they had in Korea. So very early episodes of the show, you'll see people talk about uh, vegetarian life in in, in Seoul, uh, do it, DIY art spaces, do-it-yourself art spaces, um, what it's like to go buy a dog at the one of the only dog markets that continues to like operate in Korea. That's not common anymore. Yeah. Another episode about Jimjil Bonds, the um, popular in Korean culture. So uh, it was interesting to sort of like begin to experiment with audio and experiment with storytelling um, mm-hmm. through that sort of content. A couple of years later, I returned to Korea for a final year. This was in 2014. My partner at the time, my girlfriend, later wife, uh, was doing academic research on uh, <clears throat> language preservation mm-hmm. on the island of Jade because they speak a different form. It's not really, it's kind of like Korean, but it's a little bit different. So she was doing research there and I went with her and again, taught at a public school. But while I was living there, like one of the things I decided to pursue was trying to uh, interview people and get them to share about, about, you know, their experience as academics who were doing field research on Jeju. Um, when I would visit the mainland, I would go interview uh, musicians that I had known through the music back when I was a musician in Seoul. And so that's kind of how it got started when I was back uh, in Jeju. Um, yeah. And, and so, so, so yeah, like that. Maybe you can walk through, what happened to that? You said that you had a Ben in Korea. What happened to that when you um, returned back to your home country? So yeah, we played in the uh, the music community in Hyundai, which is Seoul's kind of like cool, cool place. independent party, cool place. If you, if people have ever been to Hyundai, it's it's awesome and, and it's a good time. So um, in that community, back I guess uh, how many years ago now, eight or nine <laughs> years ago, yeah. um, it 
it was very much like an indie community where people would pay five bucks, five dollars, uh, five thousand won to go uh, see a music show right. and see an indie bands play, kind of like indie rock and stuff like that. So I was playing in a an, a, a big indie rock band with several guitars and several vocalists, mm-hmm. and we were just sort of part of that community for a while. So when I came back a few years later uh, on my final tour in Korea, um, it seemed like a natural thing to go uh, record live shows and then interview the bands afterwards. Um, so yeah, that initial, that initial, I guess, season or year of, of making the Korea file was one half interviewing sort of academics, uh, uh, in, in, in Jeju about, about research they were doing and one half visiting friends in Seoul and uh, hearing about what their life was like in the independent communities, uh, the music community. Right, right. So um, for your podcast, uh, do you have any guest on it or is it usually monologue? What's the format behind it? Is always, yeah, it's always guests. So um, when I say that it began with interviewing academics and musicians mm-hmm. that eventually changed because I returned to uh, North America and I was like, Oh man, how do I continue to do this show? You know, already released 40 episodes. Like I'd, I'd love to continue this. Yeah. So luckily for me, <clears throat> the city that my then partner and I moved to had a Korean studies department at the university. She was pursuing graduate studies and I uh, created a collaboration with that Korean studies department and began to focus exclusively on academic interviews um, <clears throat> with people who had come through the city to give lectures on their area of expertise, stuff like that. Um, so it became very much uh, an interview-based show, and that has continued in years since. Ah, uh, okay. So, um... Speaking of your podcast, like, do you had everyone has difficulties when they're starting their podcast? From all the interviews that I have did, um, and for all the conversations that I had, did you had any difficulties when you were starting the career files? Hmm. I thought that was such an interesting question when you guys sent it to me. <laughs> I think the biggest complication, and maybe anyone who produces podcasts professionally has the same experience, but um, figuring out how to make a a, a product that is of a high enough quality that people enjoy it. Like, like figuring out the way to do a good show is hard. So if people uh, go back to shows from like 2014, they're going to see a big difference compared to shows that I've released in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the hardest part is just figuring out how to professionalize the work that we do. Um, and then besides that, uh, figuring out when we are, interviewing people how to really get the best conversation and the most information from our guests so that we can learn a lot like as the host but also so that the audience is is learning a lot from from that guest right right um so speaking of guests as well is there any memorable moments that you had during the career file like any episodes in particular that you can take away from or was it something that you can really remember at the top of your head Mm-hmm. And so a couple that really stand out are, I interviewed uh, an elderly man in Montreal who had been a, he was like uh, doing uh, sort of 
volunteer refugee work in Korea back in the 1950s, directly oh. after the war that happened there. And uh, so I interviewed him in his home and, and looked at his photo albums of his time there, <clears throat> working as a volunteer, uh, helping people at need and, and sort of playing that kind of role. And it was really interesting to connect with him on a personal level uh, as someone who was like reminiscing and having some nostalgia for the space and for the people and stuff like that, while also exploring what that history was like mm -hmm. from from an outsider's perspective, because uh, there aren't a lot of documented uh, interviews with from that period so that that was really interesting talking to him at that time um and then other ones i mean there's just there's so many interesting academics who have done research on korea and i've, I've interviewed a lot of them um more recently i produced the show in collaboration with a website called uh korea expose mm -hmm. uh in seoul and uh in interviewing some of the contributors to that website, one academic that I interviewed about militarism, development, and the legacy of the Yongsan garrison in Seoul, which is like the American military base that's in the heart of the city, which is going to be shut down oh. sometime over this year and next year. Um, this academic, <clears throat> Bridget Martin, uh, she's an American, but she also was a... Uh, my colleague, when I played in an indie rock band in Seoul, oh. I used to sing with her on stage. And her, her work, uh, her relationship with Korea later on, took her to being um, this academic who studied the relationship between military bases and, and Korean uh, communities that surround those bases. And so she's just this like brilliant person who's able to speak to those sort of secret aspects of society. Um, and so that was just like a really wonderful opportunity to have. And I, I really enjoyed that interview. That came out last December, uh, Militarism Development and the Mixed Legacy of Seoul's Young Sam Garrison. Ah, last December. Okay, that's good. Mm -hmm. um, since you recorded, I assume that you recorded most of the podcast in Korea, is that right? That's Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's become something that has been based in North America for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, it was primarily uh, uh, produced, released in Korea up until about 2017. Uh, I do produce it out of North America today. Okay, so since you have recorded most of it primarily in Korea, and now you're back in uh, Montreal, is the podcasting industry in Montreal uh, huge? Is there a huge following there? Mm-hmm. It's common. It's popular. Uh, in North America, I think podcasting is pretty big. Um, but uh, I, I think I think it's it's got room to grow still. Okay, so it's pretty much the same as Singapore as well. What are the takeaways that you have? Like, what are the comparisons that you feel you saw? In, because I know that podcasting in um, America and also in Europe, it's huge. In Asia, it's slowly growing. But what do you think maybe? Because I'm trying to tighten the gaps between mm -hmm. the podcasting industry in, in Singapore and in Asia. It's slowly growing. It's small right now. Well, not that small, but it's constantly growing so i'm just trying to figure out what the difference may be between um the gaps in between asia and as well as america and europe or maybe a takeaway yeah that's a really good question i mean i think that one of the reasons that podcasting has like grown in north america in a certain way is 
this was probably the home of it. Um, When people started to release podcasts uh, 15 years ago, a lot of them were maybe coming out of like the comedy community and um, that, that sort of culture in the United States. And so that's continued to grow, but like it meant that popular culture just is very connected to uh, podcasting um, because of its access and the sort of democratic aspect to, to who actually create content. Um, why that's different in Asia I'm not completely certain, mm-hmm. but one thing that helps to create a stronger infrastructure for a podcast uh, uh, reality in, in Asia or North America or wherever is, is working on building community. And what that means is different shows who might have common themes or common topics they talk about for them to kind of get in touch with each other and work on networking and building relationships so that they are not just completely independent, but are creating a community with, with shows within the same geographic region right. or, or, or thematic region or ideological region or whatever. Uh, okay. That's, that's, uh, that's a good advice. Um, Speaking of that, do you have any advice on how do you grow your audience? Like, do you know where they, like, origin, like the most of them, where do they come from? Is it Asia or is it North America? But how do you grow your audience? Do you use so SEOs? Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty good mix for the Korea file between uh, American listeners and Korean listeners. And obviously it's going to be a lot of American listeners because of the fact that it's an English language podcast. Mm-hmm. About Korea. Then there's also listeners from, from Europe and elsewhere. But um, the way to grow audience, I think really, again, depends on building community and finding people who are either direct collaborators or people who are, creating similar content and finding ways to build relationships with them. Um, so for instance, when, when I started producing a show with Korea Expose, the website Korea Expose in Seoul, um, I reached out to them and said, Hey, I'm doing sort of uh, work over here in Montreal. That is similar to the work you're doing in Seoul. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool to collaborate together. Um, and, and we did that for, for six months and it was very successful and we had a really good time content later and more recently i reached out to a historical organization in seoul that mm-hmm. studies korean history called the royal asiatic society korea branch this is a uh, institution that's been around since the colonial era all over asia um and 100 years ago it used to be sort of like <clears throat> just westerners who lived in asian countries and sort of connected to the colonial era, but they would create these societies to disseminate uh, information about history and culture and politics with the uh, expatriates who would come to these countries living there for, you know, years or whatever. And um, so so I, I reached out to the Royal Asiatic Society in Seoul uh, some months ago and, and started working with them now on some new episodes where we're now focusing more on deep cuts of Korean history and, and talking about cultural heritage and talking about issues like gentrification mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And so that's been really fascinating. So like making 
connections with other institutions, other legacy organizations uh, is important um, because podcasting is a wonderful forum to uh, allow ourselves to share uh, information with each other. Um, so it really makes sense to to make connections wherever you can find them. Yeah, that's that's true. I agree with you. Um, where do you see since? I see that the path for the career file is rather educational as well and entertaining as well because it's music and um, educational in the sense that it has history in it. But where do you see, where do you want career file to be in probably in a year from now? Mm-hmm. For me, the important thing is just continuing to create the show because there are not a lot of shows that talk about Korea in the English language um, to talk about history or to talk about uh, society or politics, or whatever. Um, particularly, to be honest, for my show, from a sort of progressive perspective and from a maybe leftist perspective, from a peace-oriented perspective, because the show is pretty pretty forward about how it, it, it believes in sort of like uh, working towards a unified Korea and working towards peace on the Korean peninsula. So um, for, for to my mind, uh, the priority is really continuing to do the show and giving space, and giving a forum mm-hmm. for these voices who can continue to uh, put out sort of counterintuitive perspectives on how, you know, the, the two Koreas actually have a lot in common and uh, they, they, you know, it's, it's in everyone's interest to have uh, to, these two countries, these two nations uh, yeah. work together and collaborate towards uh, making a more peaceful region uh, in that part of Asia. So, yeah, so the, so the hope for the show is to continue to be a forum for allowing those sorts of voices to uh, be amplified. That's really nice to know. I've had conversations as well, and most of the podcasters are passionate. That's, I think that's the beauty that brings the community together. Um, speaking of that, speaking of podcasters, um, is there any favorite current podcast that you're listening to as of now? Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's a good question. Um, my other work that I do in Canada is as a uh, producer as a host of a Canadian politics podcast from a left perspective that's called Unpacking the News. You can find that wherever you find podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I, I also coordinate a national network in Canada of uh, progressive political podcasts. And so a lot of my favorite shows these days are on that network and they, they uh, range from a movie review podcast from a socialist perspective called yeah. Kino Lecter um, to uh, uh, a show that uh, analyzes American politics from a left perspective called 49th Parahel. Oh. And I, I, I spend a lot of my time kind of creating relationships with these shows that are uh, all around the country. And Canada is a huge country, right? It's like yeah. enormous. So making relationships with these other uh, podcasts all over the nation uh, is is important for me. So Kino Lefter and 49th Parahel are just a couple of the shows that I really enjoy these days. Okay, it sounds good. Um, 
just uh, another question before we start on the little bit of game show <laughs> on the podcast mm. show. Uh, do you have any advice or hacks on maintaining the lifespan of your podcast? Or it's just an advice for anyone who wants to start a podcast. Is it they have to have consistency, content? Is it mm, duration or marketing? Mm -hmm. I love that question because that's like the most uh, question that podcasters probably have to engage with, but like, it might not it might not always be clear how to actually pursue yeah. uh, these sorts of things. So my mind, the most important one is consistency. Um, and that can mean, like in the case of my show, producing it now only once a month, but always having something come out. Um, with the other work I do with unpacking in Canada, I do it on a weekly basis. But in both those cases, <clears throat> for my audience to expect a show to come out and then me mm -hmm. as the creator to successfully do that month in and month out or month out is super important. So I think like it's not a hack, it's more just like skill to cultivate. Yeah. Be consistent with the content that you use. Don't don't really take a break uh, for a long period of time. Uh, keep keep coming out with new stuff. Um, but then I think the other hack is just don't stop yeah. working on it. Keep on developing it until you are happy with the product you're putting out, and, and you feel like it's at a professional level, and and you have an audience who are enjoying what you're releasing. Um, it is not a hack, but it's simply like find a way to make it work for you so that you enjoy it, mm -hmm. enjoy creating it, um, but you're also really happy with, with what comes with the other side. Good. That's sound advice. Um, so for um, the this, we're coming to the this or that game. It's just a new yeah. um, section that I, I did with the podcast show. So um, because your podcast is associated with Korea, so I'm just going to ask you this or that, and you have to answer them quickly, but I'm going to go through why as well later on, if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the three questions that I have, I may get this wrong. Um the first one is, I was about to ask you whether Ajushi or Ajuma, which is <laughs> which is uh, elderly men or elderly women. But I think we should go, since I think uh, you're well-versed in uh, Korea's history. So I'm mm -hmm. going to ask Joseon or, I don't know whether I'm pronouncing correctly, or Goryeo. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're basically asking whether, whether if, if I just had to like, like weigh in on one or the other, whether, whether I love the Joseon period of Korean history, or whether I prefer the Goryeo period. And like, yeah, when I was looking at the preparatory questions, I was like, okay, well, I, mean, I don't love either of those periods. Like, like <laughs> I agree. they weren't, neither of them were ideal. Yeah. If I had to choose one, I guess it's Joseon just because it's a little more modern. I don't feel strongly about that at all. No, I know. I agree with you as well. When I came out with the question, I was like, yeah, I would choose the same one as well. <laughs> <laughs> so the second one, Hanbok or Hanuk. Hanbok yeah. uh, for the listeners is the traditional Korean uh, costume, right? Mm -hmm. And Hanuk is, um, is it a hut or is it a house? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, sorry, it's, it's, it's the traditional home, the sort of like um, the home you might see in Korean dramas where it's like got tiled roofs and uh, there's like 
a little courtyard in the middle. Sometimes, yeah, so hanok is the traditional home, and hanbok is uh, the tr- traditional clothing, which these days is most, most often worn um, for holidays when you're hanging out with family. And so, like, um, yeah, for me, it's definitely hanok. I love traditional Korean architecture. I loved visiting uh, traditional Korean uh, villages or cities or, like, uh, locations. I, I love architecture, and so for me, it's hanok. Just to digress for a bit, have you been to any of the palaces? Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, in Seoul, like, they're so present just in the center of the city. So I spent plenty of time at uh, all of the palaces in, in Seoul. And also visited Gyeongju uh, yeah. in uh, Gyeongsang Bukdo, North Gyeongsang province, just a few hours north of Busan, mm-hmm. where uh, the sort of more ancient uh, traditional history of Korea exists still, and you can visit it and go like hang out with it. And that is the Sheila dynasty. Yeah. Actually, if you'd ask me, uh, Goryeo, Joseon, Sheila, I would definitely say Sheila because they had like the best architecture, the best Buddhist temples. It was super cool. I yeah. agree. I agree with you on that as well. <laughs> so the last one is food. Toboki or bukoki? Yeah. So. I'm ashamed <laughs> to confess to you and the listeners that dakboki is not ever a priority for me. And it's probably because I'm older. So when my students, obviously, they love dakboki. It's thick rice noodles with a spicy gravy and um, maybe like hard-boiled egg or uh, pounded fish paste uh, cut into strips. <laughs> or whatever they would eat with it. Like it's a it's a super yummy snack that you can pick up on the street and it tastes great. Yeah. It's not really something I would get ever. Um, <laughs> I love bulgogi. Obviously it's a, a American Korean meat, so just meat in general. But yeah, Korean barbecue is generally fantastic, uh, partly for the flavor and then also partly and f- like the quality of the, the food. And then partly too, just because the social uh, uh, process of hanging out and eating barbecue with friends in Korea is fantastic because you're just hanging out uh, often just on the street at a little table and eating delicious uh, meat and side dishes and drinking soju and just really having a great time. Yep. So, yes, for, so for me, definitely, it would be just bulgogi and then everything that goes with with that contextualized part of the culinary culture. Yeah, good. That sounds good. <laughs> I'm missing Korea right now as we're talking about it. Um, <laughs> so, um, the question that you would... Okay, if there is a question that you would want to pose for the next podcaster on this show, what would it be? So the question for the next guest on my show? Is on, that right? No, on the podcast show because we have a series ah. of podcasters. So any question that you want to ask um, to them, probably anything, anything yeah. that's got to do with about life or podcasting or anything like that. For example... <clears throat> The last, um, the two previous podcaster actually asked the previous one. She was asking if everything was stripped, if every privilege was actually stripped away from you on the day that you are traveling to another country. Um, how would you rebuild? Let me think. How do you? How would you rebuild yourself? Um, in the first thirty days. 
That's yeah. Whoa. <laughs> oh, God. No, that's exactly. I know that's a loaded question. I was like, when he when he gave that, it was Raisin Chu. Um, shout out to him. When he gave that question, I was like, wait, I can't answer that question. How am I going to answer that? Question? <laughs> um, wow. I mean, that's like such an existential question. It's basically asking, uh, what would you happen if you had to start your life over within the context of taking a vacation to the country, um, but also within the context of being a podcaster? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh my god, wow. <laughs> Which is interesting. That's why I was like, mm, I don't know. So if I had to an- if I had to answer that, mm-hmm. if I if I had a microphone that I could go like record people with that sort of portable mic and like get audio, yeah. but also I had no I had no privilege, I had no connections, I had no networks. Um I guess I would just sort of do some research to figure out what kind of people in society were would be interesting to talk to, and then I, I would seek them out, um, or I would simply go to where something was happening, some sort of political event or social event, and attempt to speak to people there, um, attempt to find someone organizing sort of action or activity, and, and speak with them about the work they were doing. Uh, uh, so, you know, I could I could find out and share that with an audience. That sounds good. That's actually interesting because you get more insights that way, right? And then you get to know your way around the place. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, then so what? So my question? mm -hmm. Your question for Uh, the next podcaster. hmm. Mm -hmm. Let me think. So I would ask the next podcast host who was going to be a guest on the podcast show. Um. <laughs> it's kind of cliched, but like, I guess what motivates you? Um, what what makes you want to go get audio? What makes you want to go have a conversation with somebody? And what makes you want to share that with an audience? Why does your audience care? Why are you making them care? Ah. Um, so to me, that's really interesting. What motivates us to create the content we do as independent journalists in podcasting? That's good. So what motivates you to create content? Is that right? That's actually mm-hmm. that's actually a good question. I wonder how the next podcaster would actually answer that. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, where can the listeners find you um, to listen to your podcast and to find you, like, if they want to ask you about career or anything? Yeah, uh, feel free to reach out to me at Andre Margoule. That's A N D R E M A R R G O U. This is on Twitter. Um, I'm I'm very available and happy to answer questions. Uh, They could also uh, check out uh, check out my show, uh, The Creophile, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify. Basically, any place you look for podcasts, you find Creophile. You can also find my show, Unpacking the News, in all of those locations as well. and uh, and feel free to reach out to me. Yeah, on Twitter. That's that's the best way to get a hold. Twitter. Okay, it sounds good. Thank you so much for your time, Andre. I hope that this would actually help you increase the number, and I'm sure there'll be a surge of people who'll be asking you about career and yourself as well. It's been an absolute pleasure, Sheeta, getting to talk with you and and have this conversation. So I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, and I I hope the best uh, the best success for the podcast show. Thank you so much to you too. Have a good day. Okay, you too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
That was the podcast show powered by Pitch Media Asia. The podcast show is where we feature the journeys of the best and upcoming podcast hosts here in Asia. If you want to be a part of that journey, tune in to soundcloud.com slash the podcast show Asia or you can contact me on LinkedIn to be on the show. My name is Shida Osman.